Welcome to the Armenia 24 podcast brought to you by Zartonk Media. This is Vandir Magadichan sat alongside my co-host Zavin Kirogdian. Good to be here. Perfect. Kicking off the new year at Zartonk Media, we want to welcome 2021 by producing new content, including this podcast, where we'll be assessing and evaluating news pertinent to Armenia and Armenians and what's transpired throughout each week. On this week's podcast, we'll be talking about the church incidents that occurred in Turkey, Biden's Armenian appointees, Alvar Tovmasyan, Khloe Kardashian, and Maral Najarian. With that said, let's delve into the first item on our agenda. This week, two Armenian churches made the headlines in Turkey, one of which included the Armenian Catholic Church in Bursa when it was put up for sale for 6 million liras, the equivalent of 800,000 US dollars, on a Turkish online shopping platform. Secondly, we saw a Turkish man who's apparently a chef of a somewhat famous restaurant in the area take his barbecue and go to the Surp Asvazadzin Armenian church that's been there since the 19th century, where he decided to start a barbecue party inside the church. The church is located in the village of Germus, which is in the southeast of Turkey, near the historic Armenian city of Urfa. Residents living in the area are now urging Turkish authorities to take measure to prevent the building from further decay. They say treasure hunters come at nights and carry out illegal excavations. Acts like this aren't unique, as we've seen several Armenian churches and monasteries throughout history, especially during the genocide and post-genocide being subject to looting by tomb raiders. Moving on away from Turkey and the Armenian church, we saw President-elect Joe Biden appointing two Armenians to his team, including Ike Haji Nazarian for a communications role and Jeff Marutian as part of his climate team. We're seeing a lot of Armenians on social media being being excited at this prospect and rightfully so. It's important to note President Trump's campaign also included Armenians on their teams as well, including Patrick Hovagimian, who was part of the Justice Department, and Ken Nahigian, who led the transition team. So we want to wish both Haji Nazarian and Marutian good luck and hopefully they'll be positive servants of the Armenian cause. It's great news that Armenians are being appointed. I think this is a great first step for Armenians when it comes to the new Biden administration, which should come into force in three days. And I think this is a great time for Armenians to restore faith in the quote-unquote system because during the 44-day war that took place towards the end of last year, Almost all Armenians anywhere lost faith in the UN, Amnesty International, the US government, the French government, because no one acted and no one helped Armenians. Whenever it was a time that they needed help for the first time in a long time. And I think this could be the first step in restoring the faith and being a positive way to help Armenians both in the US and in Hayastan. And let me quickly ask you as to, you know, is it just wishful thinking on your end? Or, I mean, these aren't the first Armenians that are being appointed into into cabinet positions or involved in the White House, and they're certainly not going to be the last Armenians. So is there something in particular that sticks out that you think that this Biden administration will usher a new wave into furthering the Armenian cause? Without really getting into American politics, I want to say that it's always nice to see Armenians in politics, especially in the White House, and that them being there is better than them not being there. So yes, there's always been Armenians in the Trump administration, the Obama administration, and going back, as long as there's an Armenian in the White House, when there's an issue that's going to be brought up, 
they're there as an ambassador of the nation to speak up for things that need to be spoken about. No, and that's a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, it's better to have people sitting in the room when decisions are being made than not having Armenians. You know, things like this, it it drives the Turkish and Azeri lobby crazy, whether or not Haji Nazarian and Marutian are these outspoken Armenian figures. Just the fact that an IEN last name is being represented, Armenians are being represented at this caliber, at this echelon, is something that, that drives Turkey and Azerbaijan mad and try to mitigate you know, the progress that the Armenian lobby makes. Definitely. Whenever it comes to, like Vaughn was saying, Turkey and Azerbaijan are going to, for the next however many decades, continue pouring millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars into lobbying in D.C. So wherever you have Armenians, whether it's in, in the White House, whether it's on Capitol Hill with organizations like the ANCA and the Armenian Assembly who are lobbying for the betterment of Armenia, that's amazing. It's a good point. You know, you mentioned that we need Armenians in certain places and we need Armenians, whether it be the White House or Capitol Hill. And we see that with what's going on in Artsakh currently. It's been 90 days since the war has been over, but we're seeing, you know, POWs. We're seeing maimed and mutilated Armenians, innocent Armenians, civilians, soldiers, but also civilians, you know, on, on Telegram, on Twitter, by Azerbaijan. And unfortunately, another instance saw light when Samvel Tovmasyan, the brother of 58-year-old Alvar Tovmasyan, Samvel found his sister's body in the yard of her house in the village of Karintak on the outskirts of Shushi. And the body was dismembered. Ears cut off, hands cut off, feet cut off. And, you know, these are the stuff we hear about and the stuff we see, but we only know what we know. What about all the stories, all the videos, all the civilians and soldiers? This stuff happens to them, and these stories don't make the headlines. The videos that don't make the telegrams and the Twitters. It's a scary thought. You know, it's a very scary thought. And and what message does this send? This, I mean, what, that you can commit every possible war crime and human rights violation and, and get away with it? Because at the end of the day, power begets ability. Turkey and Azerbaijan will continue their onslaught because this world only has room for the mighty. Have we not learned from Karimian Haidik's Iron Ladle speech following his return from the Congress of Berlin? I mean, Otto von Bismarck brilliantly said, the great questions of the day will not be settled by means of speeches and majority decisions, but by iron and blood. Two dictatorships imported terrorists to fight against us, used white phosphorus, cluster munitions, targeted civilian settlements and infrastructure, executed POWs, and committed genocide against Armenians from their indigenous homeland with impunity. Where was the international community? Nowhere to be seen as usual. If the international community really cared about us, we'd be in Western Armenia. Because in this world, might makes right. It's the mighty and the strong who win their seat at the table. It's the mighty and the strong who successfully carry out their will. It's the mighty and the strong who create their own justice. And we're alone and we've always have been. And the sooner we realize, the better. And this world only has room for the mighty. And with that said, we must achieve justice for ourselves after the world failed in giving it to us. When it comes to the Armenian genocide and when it comes to Artsakh and any and every other issue we face and the realities we find ourselves in, we must be the exactors of our own justice. It sends a message and, and it sets a very incorrect precedent because Aliyev and Erdogan are not the only two dictators that are currently in power. There are other people in power in other parts of the world and something I want to talk about quickly is every Armenian 
has heard firsthand or secondhand the stories from their grandmothers or from their parents about how their family escaped the Armenian genocide. And the way that it was done is very similar to what happened here with the, I can't even say it, it's the, she was dismembered. Whether that happened before or after she was killed, I don't know. We heard these same stories from our grandparents and it just shows that after a hundred years, nothing has really changed. Nothing has changed on behalf of the Turkish and Azerbaijani government. Nothing has changed, international community, nothing. It's very, very shocking and it rocks me to my core. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, we always hear these, we talk about these cliches and we hear these platitudes, you know, like a genocide unrecognized is a genocide encouraged. Or if you don't learn from history, you're condemned to repeat it, right? And this stuff is unfolding right in front of our eyes. And like you said, we're only a few generations removed from the Armenian genocide. You and I, you know, speaking English right here in this podcast in Los Angeles is an outcome of the Armenian genocide. And unfortunately, our people are going through it again. And we're seeing... You know, Armenians of Artsakh are native and indigenous to those lands. And we're talking about a 58-year-old woman. And like you said, we only know what we know. We hear about the stories that make the headlines. Who knows what happened and how many Alvar Tovmasians there are. And there's talks of opening the borders and peace and coexistence. Is this who we want to open our borders with? How can you coexist with people who don't want you to exist? For a people so obsessed with our history, we sure don't seem to learn from it. Because, yeah, we always talk about this, oh, 1915, never again, Armenian genocide. But look what's happening. At the end of the day, might makes right. And we see that. We see that from the lack of response from the quote-unquote international community that only serves the interests of themselves. We saw the U.S. Embassy in Baku put out a post congratulating Azerbaijan on their new pipeline that went from Azerbaijan into Europe. As long as interests and agendas are upheld and there's mutual and shared agendas and interests at play we know who the international community is going to side with and to add to that we saw a story that unraveled itself earlier this week there's a former italian mp by the name of luca volante who was sentenced to four years in prison for receiving bribes from baku to kill reports on political prisoners and that only shows what's happening and i guarantee you over the course of the next five to ten years more of these luca volante stories are going to be coming out because it's azerbaijan's oil money it's this caviar politics that are killing armenia more than azerbaijan is killing armenia it's people like him it's other people in france and italy who are receiving these funds who are killing armenians not just azerbaijan Next up on the agenda is Khloe Kardashian's unveiling of her brand, Good American. And she posted a picture recently on her Instagram. And on the tag, it said Made in Turkey. This is kind of nostalgic and reminiscent as to when Kim Kardashian released her Skims product line that were also being, I guess, made and manufactured in Turkey. And it's very disheartening to see. And a lot of times Armenian armchair commentators like to debate as to how much the Kardashians have done for the Armenian cause or what their role is in, in the Armenian struggle. And is the amount of awareness they bring to Armenian issues and them shedding light on Armenian issues, is that enough for who they are and, and where they've gotten and what Armenianness means to them? I don't want to directly get into what they do for the benefit of Armenia versus what 
what they're doing with their brands and their companies. I want to get into more about how there's absolutely no place to be doing this. Whenever you're someone like Kim Kardashian or Khloe Kardashian and you have the resources that they have and you know what your last name is and you know that your sister is, I guess in the recent five, ten years, is being more outspoken and is trying to bring more light to helping the Armenian genocide being recognized in the U.S. How can you be doing this? It absolutely blows my mind. And it's not like they're only producing in Turkey. No, they're like they produce in China and many other countries. But how can you do this? Is it something they're deciding? Are they not majority partners? Is someone else doing it? I don't know. But it doesn't matter if you're Kim Kardashian or some Armenian in Glendale or Yerevan, this should be illegal for all Armenians to do. I feel like you could approach this in, in varying, I guess, perspectives or, ver- you know, you could take various sides. First, I mean, with everything, I guess, with the last name that they bear and, you know, them going to Armenia and, and understanding the role, I guess, Armenia plays in their lives, whether that be to a small degree or a great degree, don't you think they consider Armenia or manufacturing in Armenia? I feel like they do. I feel like maybe Armenia just needs to make itself more attractive for business, for investments, for foreign investments, whether that includes making free economic zones, whether, you know, that means minimizing, for example, value-added taxes. There's there's always these economic and business, sheer business, I guess, motives, because at the end of the day, you can have whatever opinion you want, they're very successful businesswomen and they're shrewd and you have to be shrewd. And maybe Turkey just kind of takes the cake in, in that, I guess, aspect. To add to what Vaughn was saying, something we saw that happened during the 44-day war that occurred towards the end of last year was we had two or three American celebrities like Cardi B. And there might have been one more that posted about how they support Armenia during this conflict. And then you saw tens of thousands of fake Azerbaijani-run bots commenting under their posts, spamming their direct messages, which then made them retract their statements and show how they were neutral and how this is a war and how both sides are being murdered and all of that. I think any Armenian who's currently listening to this podcast should go on their phone, on Instagram, and direct message and comment under both Kim Kardashian's and Khloe Kardashian's recent posts and call on them to explain why this is happening, why they're producing in Turkey. If their company, if their board, if their consultants can give a reason to, you know what, we tried to work with Hayastan, we tried to do this, but it didn't work out, then it would make sense. But that not being communicated, whether it's they don't want to make the Armenian government look bad, whether it's they've tried, I don't know. But something needs to be said by the Kardashian sisters to address this. And with that said, I think we as the Armenian diaspora need to do a better job in realizing where these products come from and where they're manufactured. I could tell you a lot of Armenians, for example, they get their pepper pastes. They have Turkish origins. You know, you see Tukas, you see Sera. For those who don't know, Tukas, the pepper paste company, was owned by the Turkish Armed Forces Pension Fund between 1967 and 2014. By purchasing those pepper paste, we're indirectly funding Turkish imperial ambitions. 
things like this need to be researched. And I'm glad to see that Armenians are finally taking an approach as to we're seeing more Armenian producers, Armenian importers restricting and preventing, prohibiting Turkish products coming into their markets, which is awesome news. And I think this needs to be tackled on on various capacities, one of which includes Armenians just flat out saying no to buying Turkish products in general, which would then also lead these Armenian stores and, and markets to realize that, you know, our consumers aren't purchasing these Turkish products. Let's halt the import of these Turkish products. And with that said, another final topic that we want to talk about is the issue of Maral Najarian, a Lebanese Armenian that moved to Shushi Artsakh following the Beirut blast in early August. Maral is currently in Azeri captivity along with her husband. With the advent of the war, they moved to Lachin, significantly further away from the immediate zone of conflict at the time. And when this war was over, when the agreement was signed, Maral went back to gather her belongings and as she went she was captured by azeri forces and now both her and her husband are in azeri captivity and the last time we had heard of her husband when he was interrogated by azerbaijan and he was forced to say that he was a lebanese mercenary when you know we see the armenian diaspora be it los angeles be it syria Russia, Lebanon, the Armenian diaspora, whenever issues like this happen, and in general, always organize and mobilize, there's no mercenaries that are fighting on behalf of the Armenians. It's just the power and the sheer will of the Armenian diaspora. What's very disheartening to me is how she actually ended up leaving Beirut after the blast that had occurred earlier in the year, and how she did not decide to go to LA, Boston, somewhere in Europe, no, she went to her homeland. She went to Shushi, a city that has been there for thousands of years, that has been Armenian for thousands of years, and then this happened. I'm hoping she's still alive. I'm hoping she wasn't tortured and that she will be on the next plane to Yerevan once an agreement is reached on what's going to be happening with these prisoners of war. With that said, this concludes today's podcast. But before we go, we'll quickly run down some topics we did not discuss. One of which was Ghanaian-Armenian Nadia Ousu's memoir, Aftershocks, was published in the United States. Armenia placed 39th in a recent list of 50 most Instagrammable places for 2021, ranked between Warsaw and Marrakesh. It was described as crumbling churches, incredible food, and breathtaking scenery are just a few things sure to captivate in Armenia. The Harantin commemoration is to be held online this year. The online commemoration will start on January 19 at 2.45 Greenwich Mean Time. His Grace Bishop Mehlik Parikyan was laid to rest today. He passed away due to complications with the coronavirus. Bishop Parikyan was the head of Tebrevank in Antilias at the Armenian Catholic Estate of the Great House of Cilicia. And prior to that, he was the head of the Armenian Church of Cilicia in Canada. And... Lastly, Turkey and Azerbaijan are to hold joint military exercises beginning on February 1st to 12th in Gars, less than 50 kilometers away from Armenia proper. The last time the two held joint military exercises was on July 29th, 2020, less than two months prior to the invasion on Artsakh. Thank you for tuning in. To stay up to date, make sure you follow us on social media at Zartonk Media and at Armenia24 Podcast. For Zaven, this is Vaughn. 
We'll catch you next week.